Debates, discussions, and everything else you shouldn't talk about at the dinner table is on our table. It's your weekly guiding motto, In Pod We Trust. Welcome back to In Pod We Trust. Uh, Good morning, evening, and everything in between, listeners. My name is Tyler Hillier. And I am Jacqueline Washington. And this is another episode, your favorite podcast and mine. And mine. And mine and yours. (laughs) In Pod We Trust. Uh, Jacqueline, we have so much to talk about today. Some real deep subjects. We do. I'm I'm excited. This is my most, like, anticipated show. I'm not going to lie. Really? I am excited. Wow. Me too. (laughs) Um, And once you hear the subjects, be like, wow, why were we excited for that? Sick Um, people. They are. They have something wrong with them. Um, But so much to talk about. So much has happened since our last episode. So, Jacqueline, what do we got? Okay. So the main thing I really want to get into today is Gina Haspel was appointed by Trump last week to be CIA's director. Um, If appointed and approved by Congress or approved by Congress, she'll be the first female director of the agency. Um, Oh, how progressive. Yes, and coming out of, you know, International Women's Day and all that kind of thing, I think it's an important thing to talk about. And then also on the flip side, she's getting a lot of flack Mm. for her involvement in... Being a woman. Yeah. Yeah. No? You're close. Okay. No, not at all. (laughs) (laughs) She was obviously, um, she's a very extremely experienced in the agency. Um, She had a long, long tenure overseas, but she was involved in some black sites. Um, Black sites? Yes, like Bush torture era type black sites, and people are giving a lot of flack to her, saying like, how can we She's torturing bushes? (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Co-host applications are still open. Continue, continue still open (laughs) um yeah she's getting a lot of flack because she was she was there was um i think his name i don't abu zibadeh um was in a black site in thailand and he was waterboarded there and it was reported that she was the director of said agency when he was waterboarded which was actually corrected she came in after the time um, and these claims were came, came out against her so she was not director at that time but she did have kind of extensive involvement um, in these, so I really want to get into like just the whole Bush torture era, um, dealing with terrorists, war crimes, you know, like mm-hmm. all that fun stuff. Kind of unpack it. What are your thoughts, mm. Gina Haspel? Well, my first thoughts is, yeah, why were we excited to talk about this again? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I think it's a cool. I <laughs> know it is. You know, it is. Yeah, <clears throat> it's. Um, I mean, it's one of the questions we've been talking about as Americans really since. Mm-hmm. Since like what, two thousand and three? I guess since really the Iraq War started and people started to ask questions like, "Hmm, what are we doing with all these terrorists? Why are they in Guantanamo Bay? Why aren't they on American soil?" Mm-hmm. Yeah, all these questions start popping up. Right, right. Um, you know, it's a it's a tricky subject because, on one hand, you want to protect the homeland. Right. And the government has an obligation to, you know, really do whatever it takes to protect the homeland. But on the other hand, you know, the government has to be reined in. You know, as a conservative, we believe in smaller government, restrained government. And in my opinion, giving a government or a military the power to torture people is an absurd amount of power. Uh, especially because there's really hard, it's it's difficult to put checks and balances on that sort of thing. Um, 
as I think we saw with the release of those CIA files Mm -hmm. a couple years back, the torture files. Um, It is really hard to just allow people to torture, but, you know, not torture too much. Right. Especially being the United States being such a humanitarian activist country. Mm -hmm. You know, like we'll go intervene in these other countries that are violating and are torturing their own people. But then there's kind of like the the dark backside to it, like... I don't know. How do you deal with those people? Yeah, I mean, I mean, you just brought up one of the other arguments, I think, against torture is kind of the, you know, how can America be the humanitarian mm-hmm. giant that it is, the, you know, the moral agent of the world, the beacon of freedom and liberty for all mankind. And then at the same time, we're going to torture people. Mm-hmm. You know, we're going to use it to get information. And, you know, it just... It, it it undermines, in my opinion, our standing in the world, and it undermines our credibility when we try to say, you know, the people that we're torturing are doing all these heinous things, but then we're doing them right back. Right. So, you know, I think if America, you know, on the other hand, wants to keep its its moral high ground, in a sense, and be able to rally the world behind it, it can't partake in these kinds of things that the rest of the world is going to look at and say, wow, like, how can you do that? Mm-hmm. So. You know, I do think uh, <coughs> it's important to note that, like, obviously, these this whole torture area, torture era came about after 9-11 um, in Bush years. Um, he's credited with all of these um, different black sites and things like that. And it's important to, like, note this was right around the time we had received a video from the Taliban, like, beheading Americans on video and sending it to us and Bush's huge thing that he had said in a speech to the American people is we're not dealing with American citizens they don't have the same rights that we do these are terrorists and we are trying to protect our country whether that's right or wrong um, it's a whole another argument in itself but there's like it's such a different argument I think like obviously yes everyone believes torture is wrong um but like not everyone (laughs) not everyone not everyone (laughs) but when it comes to military endeavors and protecting the homeland and things like waterboarding like there's many studies out that say it doesn't work and that's why we ultimately abandoned it when it came out um, that the CIA was doing all of these things but there are also instances like a top Osama bin Laden cohort after 30 seconds of waterboarding gave up all this information like there are instances when it has worked and in American favor, whether it like it obviously was violating some rights for sure, but like when is it is it ever okay to turn a blind eye to that if you're getting this information that you need to protect the republic and protect citizens, you know? Mm-hmm. No, I don't think it's ever okay to to turn a blind eye because to me, when we turn that blind eye, that's when government gets the worst. The only thing that ever keeps anyone in power in check is people, is a larger group of people to hold them accountable. And in the case of any government or any military or even, you know, a, like a school student government board, people have to be aware of what they're doing to keep them accountable uh, or things get out of hand. And in the case of things like torture and black sites like they're called black sites because no one's supposed to know what's going on in them right and when that happens i i believe that leads to 
like let's say you put the best regulations on torture that you could possibly have, right? Like you've encoded everything in law. Congress passes all these laws. Like, okay, you can waterboard, but you can't do blank, 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 blank. And they list all these regulations. That is great. But if you're going to be doing this stuff at a black site and there's no accountability, mm-hmm. it will inevitably escalate. And the people in power doing the torturing inevitably <clears throat> are going to take it to the next step. And to me, that's why I don't think we should let the government or military have that kind of power. You know, because then it just, it, it for all we know, you know, it could turn from just terrorists from other countries to domestic terrorists. Right, yeah. You know, uh, they're trying to get a law passed, I'm pretty sure now, that says if you betray your country, if you're a traitor, you lose your citizenship. Right. So does that mean now anyone who's charged with <clears throat> treason can be tortured? You know, Edward Snowden would fall into that category. Would it be okay for us to torture him if all he did was, you know, dump files? Like, how, how do we define who's worthy of that? Um, and the thing is, you really can't. So, I don't know, I just, I just feel like giving any authority that kind of power to do things in the dark is not a good mm-hmm. <laughs> recipe for human rights. I do think it's something like, obviously Trump, a huge reason he was elected <clears throat> was he staunchly ran on a platform that we are unleashing the military. Let them do what they do best. That mm-hmm. he does not know where to go, what to do, what the roots are, because he's not a military professional, not a military person. <clears throat> um, and I think it's just interesting because, like, a lot of Americans, when they were polled about this, weren't opposed to black sites for terrorists. And it, it's, like, interesting when you see because Americans, we like justice. It's clear as day to see in our, so, in our criminal justice system everything. We like justice. We have the highest incarceration rate for things that other countries would just not even care about. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to terrorists, I think the real defining factor when it determines, like, black sites are okay in my eyes in this point is when they're not an American citizen you know and like when asked about this um I don't remember the name but it was like a top military personnel that was involved in like a black site he was like yeah no we don't read them their Miranda rights either like they're not American citizens they don't have these rights they are committing terrorist acts against our nation we are trying to get the information and prevent future attacks from happening so like I don't know in my eyes if someone has already committed this or been a part of this and we need to get this information to stop it from happening and more lives being lost, I think it's important. And I don't think, I don't want to say like what we don't know can't hurt us. Mm -hmm. It's a very ignorant stance to have. However, when it comes (coughs) to the military, I don't think everyday American citizens necessarily need to know what's going on in the front lines. You know, that's military life. I do not want to see half of the things these men have seen, you know? Mm-hmm. And they're doing it to protect their country and, like, PTSD for the rest of their lives, all these things. Like, I don't think us as regular American citizens should be open to that. See, I I disagree. I think the average citizen needs to know what's going on because, you know, it's their brothers, sons, sisters, daughters, husbands, wives who are going off to fight and do these things or who are joining the military to do these things. We need to know what our military is doing uh, so we can make the right decisions with our votes. Um, Secondly, as far as unleashing the military, you know, I'm always, I'm I'm just so skeptical of that. The founders 
put in citizen uh having a citizen be in charge of the military for a reason mm-hmm. right they wanted just an average elected official to be the person the commander in chief with no military experience right you know maybe that doesn't make sense for some people but really you know the the whole point of that was to keep the military in check mm-hmm. because an unleashed military they're going to do what they have to do to accomplish their ends and their ends aren't but isn't that like i don't just being devil's advocate isn't that the kind of military you want on your side the kind you want fighting for you it mm, i i suppose it depends i mean if you're genghis khan yeah (laughs) (laughs) ouch (laughs) if you're alexander the great i mean yeah but you know times have changed and we have new standards Mm-hmm. And we we have learned, okay, human rights are something to be respected, not just the, – the ends don't justify the means in every case. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so that's why I think, you know, when people say, oh, you know, they're not U.S. citizens, uh, we don't read them their Miranda rights. But, like, there's a difference between rights granted by the Constitution and then rights – like natural-born, God-given rights. You know, your right to trial by jury is a right from con- from the Constitution. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, your your right not to be tortured <laughs> is a human right, and it's one that we should all share. And that's because of your place of birth or your nationality. Mm-hmm. That doesn't determine your right to be tortured or not. Um, so, and plus, I mean, Jim Mattis. You know, Trump said he he doesn't do torture because his secretary of defense said it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would defer to him on that. That that he know if anyone knows what they're talking about, it'd be our secretary of defense. Right. When it comes to torture, and he doesn't believe it works. So I don't know. Got some. I got some issues with it. I do think it's it's interesting. Like you brought that up. Like just the regard for human life in general, and this is something like when this argument comes up around me, I get kind of uncomfortable because, like, when it comes to the death penalty and things like that for crimes, like, how do you determine when someone has done something enough where, like, their right to life, their right to redeem themselves and everything should just be stripped of them? You know, like, where do we get that moral high ground to be like, you've committed this, this, and this, you no longer have a right. To live. Right. And it's it's hard because, for me, in military-esque instances... And in terrorist, I absolutely let him be like, do what you got to do. Like, <laughs> mad dog, you know what you're doing. I don't. Like, don't yeah. let this happen again. Like, protect us. And then also in the case of the death penalty, when, like, a man rapes a young girl, you know, let the dad at him. Let the dad have at it. You know, like, that's what I kind of immediately jumped to. But then when I take a step back, you know, you realize, like, I don't have the right. No one, like, our elected officials are judges they like do they have the right to just say you've committed this like you've given up your right to live we get to do whatever we want you've given up your human rights so are you pro death penalty largely <sighs> it's it's hard like i don't 100 percent know where i stand on things immediately um in certain instances like um the the case where three girls disappeared in florida um, the Rogers family. It was a mother and her two daughters. Mm-hmm. They went on a road trip to Florida, that. and um, this I mean, I wasn't man, alive, but uh, yeah, <laughs> I remember neither hearing. of us were alive. I remember um, hearing about it. Yeah, I just watched a documentary other of it the other day, so it's fresh in my mind. But this man 
um, was very friendly to them, kind of lured them out onto their boat. Um, they were tourists in the area, and he took mm-hmm. advantage of that and wanted to, like, show them, like, a sunset tour of the Tampa Bay. And he ended up, like, sexually assaulting them and throwing their bodies into the river with, like, concrete bricks, like, tied around their necks, like, very, very awful, vulgar crimes. And watching, like, this story, he was eventually convicted and given the death penalty. And when I see that, I'm like, good, let him burn, you know? Like, he did this awful thing, tore apart this family. There's this father now just without the rest. Well, he's probably dead now because this was a long time ago. Mm -hmm. But it, like, went on the rest of his life without his three girls. Like, that's awful. But then, like, I take a step back and I'm like, no, like, that doesn't give anyone a right to say, okay, this man has no right to live now. I don't know. I'm torn. Like, what do you think? So, to me... I think the death penalty, I think it has a couple problems. Um, the first argument for it is deterrence, right? If you have the death penalty, uh, criminals are going to be less likely to commit the crimes mm-hmm. that would involve them dying at the end of it. Right. Um, naturally. <laughs> naturally. <laughs> but the thing is, is that it's not actually naturally. In most cases, at least it seems like to me, um, because... The people who commit the crimes, right, the death penalty is going to be given to the most heinous crimes you can imagine. Mm-hmm. You know, double, triple homicides, mass murders, that kind of thing, terrorism. That's when you're going to get the death penalty. But oftentimes, those are the very people who have the lowest regard for life, including their own. Okay. So, yeah. In a way, they're doing these these heinous, heinous crimes, but they're not thinking about the repercussion of the death penalty because they have no regard for life, even their own. Right. They almost want it. It's an easy way. For some of them, they want that. it. Yeah. Some of them, they want it, including, I think, the guy from the case you just said. Um, right. Yeah. Like they, they want it. Um, so it's almost kind of ironic that we apply the death penalty to the people who it would work least effective on. Like, if you were to apply the death penalty to cases of rape or domestic abuse, mm-hmm. you know, which are very selfish, selfish acts, right. which to me indicate someone places a high value on themselves, not on others, but at least on themselves. So no, like, no homicide involved, just domestic abuse, like yeah, that yeah. kind of thing. You, okay. I, and I think you would see those crime rates drop, just boom, like, yeah. huge. Um, because someone doesn't want to die, mm-hmm. you know, if they, if they rape or they, you know, abuse someone, um, because they still regard their own life. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of ironic. The death penalty is really only applying to the people who have the least value for their own life. So I don't think it works as a deterrence. Um, and then secondly, I don't think there's, once the threat is neutralized, once there's no active threat and someone has been captured mm-hmm. and they no longer pose a threat to society I, I don't see any justification in killing them because I think you're right you, you're asking uh, how do you determine you know what's enough to kill someone I don't think you can right we don't have that moral high ground we don't have that moral high ground I don't know what someone can do to deserve death um, so in, in my opinion because of that you, you really don't know it shouldn't you shouldn't have it and um lastly i think the fact is the death penalty itself is so expensive and 
if even one innocent person is executed, how can you justify it? You know? Yeah. Because then that person has no chance for justice. Mm-hmm. So. I think it's interesting you brought that up, too, like, how expensive it really is to do the death penalty. It's like because tens I, of millions. Right. Yeah. For one person, really. Mm-hmm. Um, it can be upwards of that. And I think a lot of arguments that people jump to when it comes to, like, invoking the death penalty is how overrun our criminal system is. Like, we don't have room to just keep putting all these people behind bars. Um, so they're like, you know, just get rid of them, which is an awful thing to say in general, but, you know, invoking the death penalty really, I don't think if you statistically showed the numbers, it would be like a more cost effective thing. Um, and then getting into that as well, um, I just thought of this, Donald Trump, what was it? Probably two weeks ago, mm-hmm. brought up the idea of trying to get the death penalty for like <laughs> crime lo- or um, uh, drug lords. Drug lords yeah. yeah. And that's. Like, when you said the deterrence thing, that really struck me, because I feel like that, it would absolutely be a deterrent, you know? In their case, yeah. In their case, I, would have I don't to think agree. any drug lord is, you know, they're like, they're just trying to make money, really, mm-hmm. and they don't care, and they know people are dying at their they're hands. They're selfish. They care about their own exactly. skin. So, like, that could be definitely something where it is deterrence, but then once again, mm-hmm. because this man sold an illegal drug to someone <laughs> and someone worthy? overused it is he worthy of dying is it really his fault you yeah. know like and i do agree with president donald trump like it is it's an idea it's something i don't know i think it could be a deterrent is it worth taking a human life over um i don't think so yeah i mean i think it goes back to what, what we were talking about with the torture thing right do the ends justify the means mm-hmm. if our end is to stop drugs yeah, we could just kill everyone and <laughs> sentence yeah. everyone to death right. who deals drugs. <laughs> like, problem solved. Mm-hmm. But we is that... We build a lot more prisons if that's the case. <laughs> yeah. So. It is interesting, though. Like, I'm not necessarily surprised um, with all of this different stuff coming up in the media lately because Donald Trump, like, he did say on the campaign trail, you know, like, torture works and like i'm mm-hmm. bringing it back or something like that yeah it's just like it can be a little alarming absolutely um and then when you just like put all these things into it like there's so many i don't think there's a real black and white answer no i don't think there is either because you know then it, you know to me the biggest argument against my beliefs is well okay let's say you know of an imminent threat to like american lives mm-hmm you know, do you do you keep the moral high ground in that case, or like if you knew someone was going to do something? Yeah, you knew someone's going to do something, and report it. and you need to, or you, like you need to torture someone to get the information. Yeah. Right. See, that's where I'm immediately like, do it, like do it, prevent the life, prevent the innocent yeah. lives from being lost. And I think if I was in charge in that situation, I'd probably do the same. Right. Just because I couldn't live with the fact that. Hmm. Because I let of people this die. One guy yeah. That it's kind of like the the utilitarian thing that they make you think about in your like high school philo- philosophical class. I don't even yeah, know the yeah, name yeah. of it. And they're like, <laughs> there's one doctor and like twenty like druggies. Who do you save? And how can you put this life above this life? You know, like how do you put that guy? You assign value. Right. To life. Yeah. It's it's a tricky argument, but I think it's definitely one we're gonna see a lot more. In the new cycle, as the different laws come to be and things like that. Oof. <laughs> Ooh. Okay, wait. Back to the original. 
Gina Haspel, <laughs> red light, green light. What are your thoughts? Yeah, do I feel like we should put her in charge of the best uh, intelligence gathering well, agency? Before you in the answer world? that, I do want to say, like, she had 33 years of experience within the CIA, mm-hmm. um, and like these black sites were not just some rogue CIA director no. who was like, "Oh, this will work," you know, like sitting behind a desk, like with his fingers going, you know. It was like it's approved by Congress and things like that. Like the government knew about it, mm-hmm. and technically, like she was not breaking any American law, overseeing these kind of operations. Like it was at a very t- like high tension time post 9-11 era that this was kind of deemed okay by a lot of people Mm. um so i just do want to like clarify that like she wasn't the one saying waterboard him keep going you know Um, she was just doing her job arguably is it a like creepy attachment kind of um it's a really creepy attachment because i mean you know yeah, she has 30 years of experience, but to put it in Trump's word, like, is it good experience? You know, that's what he always used to say about Clinton. Yeah. She's got bad experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she has experience, but it's bad experience. Right. Um, and with Gina, I don't know. No, like, she has not made a statement thus far that I've seen at least um, saying how she feels about these enhanced interrogation methods or black sites or anything of the sort. That's probably smart on her part. Right. Um, which we'll find out when she goes before Congress, mm-hmm. I'm sure, because they're obviously oh, they're going to ask her. her right. So her qualifications, are they there? Personally, I think so. She's been involved in the organization for a really long time. She's had 10 years overseas. She knows how it works. She knows the ins and outs. I don't, and I'm interested to see how the hearing goes with Congress. I am too. Leave it at that. Yeah. I am too. I hope Rand Paul gets a crack at her. I don't know what committee she goes before, but I know Rand Paul has been on the war path ever since she Mm -hmm. was nominated. Um, Because you know Rand Paul obviously has been a champion in Congress to fight against, right? You know torture and uh, secret government military practices like this. So we we will see. I I would have to say. Yellow light, maybe? Yellow light, Yellow because light. <laughs> I, I wish we Trump had picked someone fresh, you know, with a fresh yeah. set of ideas. Especially with his a whole, you know. outlook on the world, not someone yeah. from the Bush era torture, like, oh, here we go it again. It kind of goes against a lot of his, you know, like, we need to weed out all of these people who have been in yeah. the system for so She's long. She's the definition of deep state. Yeah, it's kind of she it's surprising. She worked at a right. black site. Yeah. In the deep state. Like <laughs> Yeah. So if anyone's deep state, it's her. Yeah. So. It's it's like creepy to look back into American history like that. Because you say like American history and you're thinking like civil war, industrial war, like all these things way back then, but this mm-hmm. was ten years ago ish, not even. Yeah. Um well no, yeah. More than ten years. But, like, it's probably still going on then. Um, just, like, the legacy that the United States had during that time. Because mm-hmm. all these practices and, like, the waterboarding and all these torture things that happened were legally passed through Congress. Like, it was legal. It was fine until yeah. recently. And then as Bush was going out, um, he had pardoned everyone who was involved. 
there was like I don't even know the number I probably have it here somewhere but he pardoned all CIA members who had an active part in these black sites and then when President Obama was elected you know they asked him like are you going to revisit it and he was like no we need to put it behind us and move forward <laughs> yeah he said that because he knew we were spying on Americans <laughs> under, the, under the, his NSA program not too much later on so you know thanks Obama real <laughs> thanks Obama <laughs> <laughs> and you know I mean again like he, Obama was again like so he's trying to take the moral high ground oh I would never break the rule of law you know we, we're gonna move past this and then at the same time direct the NSA to mm-hmm. spy on America it's completely like right you know a- again it's just what happens when you give the government this power in the dark and people don't know and then again, even to the this Obama era, um, NSA spying, mm-hmm. if it's for Homeland Security, is it easier to turn a blind eye? You know, like, is it easier for people to be like, I have nothing to hide? Like, personally, I'm like, I have nothing to hide. I don't care if you're listening to me. It's a little creepy, but like, <laughs> I'd rather them be listening and find something that link- links them to someone who could, who was like trying to commit something and they're able to stop it. Mm-hmm. You know, like at the hands of them listening to me call my mom, complain about my day. You know, um, it's it's the same kind of argument. Like if it's for general security, I feel like to me it's just yeah. a different kind of world. See, I again, like I, no matter what the intentions, no matter what the ends, I feel like when you let these things even begin, they just spiral out of control. Right, slippery slopes. Slippery slopes. Because, and it always happens, because they always happen in the dark, Mm -hmm. and people don't know, and when people don't know, power goes unchecked, and then, you know, you've got the NSA uh, listening through Amazon TVs and things like that, because they can, Mm -hmm. right? And technology's only improving, so that's scary. Okay, but those things creeped me out from the beginning. Like, when you can just sit in your living room and be like, hey Siri, or what, hey Uh, Echo. Echo. And then God, it I have hears one. you? I have one, and yeah. I unplugged it because I was scared. Right. Even if you unplug it, you know, like, there's, it could still uh, be listening to you, you know? Yeah. Big Brother's out there. He's, he's it's, listening. It's, <laughs> yeah, I know. And it's not just, you know, I think you got to have a healthy fear of your own government, but who knows who else could exploit these right. things to, you know. Like, remember the guy, who, who was it, the... The guy who shot up, I think it was the San Bernardino shooter, and the FBI was trying to break into his phone. Yeah. Remember that? The iPhone? And Apple refused to do so. Apple refused, but they got in anyways. Yes. They they found a way to get in. Like, that's that's scary. scary. But that, see, like, this, I think we differ here, because when that happened, I was so mad at Apple for not. Like, this is a man, a domestic terrorist, who just committed these crimes, and you're really saying you don't want to violate his privacy right now by just breaking into his phone so we can get the details we need to bring justice. Well, like that, oh, I was so heated when that happened. I understand what Apple was doing because it wasn't just his privacy. Right, they would have broken the privacy of every iPhone mm-hmm. user. And that means, which is supposed to be impossible. Right. So that means if they found a way... That could be exploited by the government or anyone else. That would prove that they're impenetrable. Or, I mean, they are penetrable. So, I 
get what Apple was doing. Um, they were they were saving their their face, you know. We can't yeah. do that. It's against very arguably like a PR move. Um, and granted, they're right to do so. You could say, um, as a private company. Mm-hmm. It just it rubbed me the wrong way. Like when American lives are at risk and. This man had already committed these crimes, you know, was behind bars. Like, I was like, come on. Mm-hmm. Like, you're Americans, too. What if this was your kid? Like, you would absolutely try and break into that man's phone. I know, I know. But that, oh, this is where it tears me. Right. Gosh, it's such dang. a, oh. Oh, because I know if that was me in that situation, I'd probably think so differently. But mm-hmm. right now, I have the luxury of not being in that situation. And I tell myself, like, no, government Bad government. Bad government. <laughs> Stay out of my, uh, you know, you, you shouldn't have that kind of power to break into, you know, Apple software and stuff like that. Oh, it's just so hard because once you make it, it personal, it's like everything changes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the same thing. Like, I would never kill someone. But if someone, like, hurt my family, yeah, who knows? Who knows what? Yeah. It's a, it's a completely My mom says that all game. the time. And she's probably she's probably gonna hear this, but she's always <laughs> like Tyler. <laughs> if someone ever did something to you, oh yeah, or your Mama Bear is full force. Like, Mama Bear would be in jail I for know what she'd do to. In fact, my mom and my dad too. Oh yeah, absolutely. He'd be behind bars, no, no remorse, no mm-hmm. regret whatsoever. <laughs> they would be like, like yeah. cuff me, because <laughs> I had to do like, it. I got my own handcuffs. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, oh man, I just this stuff's hard. It's. <laughs> To wrap up here, a few things you need to know before going on with your week. Um, This past weekend, March for Our Lives in D.C., there were thousands of sister marches arranged all in local areas. We had one in Lakeland downtown. Um, Pretty big deal for the movement. Absolutely. Um, Thoughts on? Can you believe a bunch of 16-year-old kids organized it all by themselves? (laughs) Wow, that's amazing. How did they do that? I could see. I don't want to get too far into it because we need to wrap (laughs) up. But very frustrated at the the awful statements and signs that I've been seeing photos Mm -hmm. from these events. Um, I saw one and it was a blown up photo of Marco Rubio. And he had like a red cross, like blood cross on his forehead about how he's betraying his faith. Um, Things about (coughs) Dana Lash, her kids. Um, there was mm. one that said Dana mm. Lash listens to Nickelback. Pretty, that's, <laughs> pretty rough. That's a low blow. She she posted it on her Instagram. <laughs> no one, no one deserves and that. And she was like, "This is the one I'm most offended by." <laughs> um, <laughs> it was some. It was great. It was a big deal for their movement. I think it was awesome. They had a lot of people out to support it. Good for them. Good for their movement. However, some of the signs and there's a lot of pictures. Uh, there was just I read like a New York Times article today coming at the people who were painting these big signs and giving them to their children who aren't even of age to read yet. I saw that. And they're holding up these signs with these vile, awful sayings about other humans, other Americans. Yeah. Like just using their kid as a political prop. It's. Yeah. It was really sad for a movement that's so about like valuing human life empowering kids empowering kids Mm -hmm. and then you go and see some of these signs when they just have blatant disregard for these people their reputations their families it's sad i was a little disappointed 
Yeah, there. I, I I watched a bunch of the speeches too. Did you watch any of those? Some of the Parkland survivors, yes. like the yes. kids that were on the Times cover. Mm-hmm. Um, they gave a bunch of speeches. Nothing really. You know, you can tell they're really trying to be the MLKs of their times and right. make this gun uh, gun rights thing kind of like a civil rights issue of our time. It's it's just not going to happen. Where's where's the substance of it? You know, like you can have this movement and mobilize people and empower people, but you have to have substance more than just attacking people who mm-hmm. think there are different ways to reach the same goal. Like their method right now is solely attacking others and there's no substance to it. There's no argument there. Yeah. Other than you're an awful person, you deserve to die. When you're sitting here saying like everyone has the right to live, everyone gets to do this, like all these good things, oh feel good, and then it just it's so hypocritical. It's so hypocritical. Oh, I know, I know. Believe me, I was watching those speeches and I was just like, oh my yeah. gosh, some of these kids, and that's there's been a big debate now in political science. Uh, trying to figure out, is all of this activism going to translate into votes? Right. And I think the answer is <laughs> no. I, yeah. I firmly <laughs> believe the silent majority is there, and they are frustrated more than ever. Yeah. Um, if the anti-Vietnam crowd couldn't vote out Nixon, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't think the anti-gun crowd is going True. to make a difference in these elections. Plus, even adding to that, just this morning, the New York Times article um, by John Paul something repeal the second amendment yes repeal the second amendment it's there it's out there it's i saw that you know all the claims like republicans and conservatives need to calm down we're not trying to take your guns away you know it's repeal the second amendment it's kind of nice to finally see someone tell the truth yeah you know yeah i disagree with the opinion entirely but it's the feeling of many on the kind of farther left Mm -hmm. just repeal the second amendment right and in a way i was like you know it is nice to finally see <laughs> the opinion out there. Yeah. Finally, Honest. someone said it. That's what we want to do. We want to repeal the Second Amendment. So, hey, now we can debate it, finally. Um, It'll be an interesting few days in the news cycle, I'm sure. Oh, for uh, sure. Different statements from both sides. I'm keeping a close eye. I'm excited. Yeah. I, I think now that the march has ended, though, I think we'll see these. a lot of these people kind of fade away yeah. uh, because... It's not going to change anything. Maybe mm. a few laws here and there. Yeah. But I don't see this big... I just, like, a march doesn't do anything. It shows numbers, sure. But, you know, there's some students who are out there actually meeting with legislators, coming up with things, trying mm-hmm. to bridge the gap, come up with ideas. That's what changes things. You know, you got to put your... You, c- you can talk all this talk, but you got to put your feet down and do the groundwork for something to actually happen. Um and I'm interested to see if, now that the march is over, maybe they'll turn to that more approach. Mm-hmm. Or maybe they'll fade out, like you said. I don't yeah, know. I, I feel like the momentum was building up to the march, and now it's kind of, right. like, that was the big moment, the big climax. And now, Stop. we'll see the slide down. It'll be, it'll be interesting to watch. It will be interesting to watch. Well, Jacqueline, this has been... Another riveting, exciting, (laughs) exciting show. We hit all the light topics. Of course. Um, Just make your day easier. 
That's Probably right. Not Just gonna to get brighten, a job after this. I'm gonna get like, your mood. Do you ever wonder? Torture. Do you ever wonder if these podcasts are gonna resurface like 20 years down the line? Right? Like, like, you know, if we're in politics. She believed in torture. <laughs> <laughs> Jacqueline Washington, running for president, said 20 years ago. Yeah. She did. <laughs> Katy Perry shouldn't have kissed the guy. Dun dun dun. <laughs> This will be my downfall, and I'm so okay with it. Oh, I know. I can't <laughs> wait. I'm going to use it against you Oh. when I run against I'm gonna you. I'm going to use that firework pun against you. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I might as well not even run now. You've already got me beat. Chances are done. Dang it. Dang <laughs> oh. it. Well, thank you, everyone, for spending this time with us Ooh. and listening. I hope you enjoyed our conversation. It was yes. certainly, I think, a very substantive one. Yeah. Thank you for stopping by to your favorite podcast and mine. And mine. Yours. <laughs> Why? Why are you doing that? <sighs> All right. Thanks, guys.